0: Hello and welcome to Enough Liquor, a podcast where anything you can do, we can do better as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, the Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 121st episode in the series, 72 Hours.
1: I, um, I love the idea of someone listening to this episode of our podcast as the very first one and we just sound like the cockiest motherfuckers ever. <laughs> Like yeah, it's wine from do, the show, everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you don't get it, go you somewhere see, else.
1: That's the joke. <laughs> yeah, you know, go watch the episode first. You don't have to go somewhere else. They just have to watch the episode first. Right, that's um, true. Anyway, this is an extremely famous episode, not only just in Golden Girls history, but in Golden Girls scholarship history. I don't think that there, I think like 99% of the scholars. That have written about the Golden Girls, and especially the ones that we've talked with, um, have talked about this episode's impact. It's that huge. So that's like, you know, Kate Brown, Miles Martin, Jared Clayton Brown, Claire Sewell, Elliot Powell, Thomas J. West, Elizabeth Yuko. I mean, all of them, everyone's written about how powerful this episode is. From a public health standpoint, from a, you know, women's uh, uh, health standpoint, especially for queer community adjacency, just misunderstanding, emotional support, all of it. Like there's just there's so much that's wrapped up in this one. Yeah, we've written about it, speaking of scholars. Um, we've written about it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, sorry. Lauren <laughs> Kelly, <forgot>. Sarah Royal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: no, but yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a reason for it. And I think that it's so um, it was definitely a choice to do an episode that um, talked about HIV AIDS, of course. And that in and of itself, I think, is is noteworthy. But I think that the way this this show does it is really um, it's not elementary at all because it's not just like oh there's a friend who has it or like blanche who's like super sexually active you know like it's rose which we'll talk a lot about like why it's rose and what that means and like how that sort of like shakes her whole belief system um and also like i feel like it's really aimed at um Destigmatizing, but it's not after school, specially. It's really like it's not spoon fed to the audience, um, because like there's a little bit of resistance, obviously, from Sophia. And like during this time that we're recording it, like it's hard not to consider the response to to monkeypox, which is certainly better, obviously, certainly not Reagan and HIV, but like any right. sort of marginalized group. I feel like when there's something that's affecting predominantly that group, there is this sense of like, we'll get to it when we get to it, or like, we're trying, you know, whereas like, if monkeypox, for example, were affecting like, a different population, I don't, it's hard to imagine the vaccine rollout, for example, would be so, um, so bad in a lot of different in a lot of different ways um and it's just like you know it's such a parallel to to this um um, yeah I mean this episode is is really powerful and it's really good too like they 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 they're always so good at doing heavy heavy things with like peppering in some funny and like light
1: moments yes absolutely and i think it's you know it's so it's so interesting that like you know one of the first lines in jim kalucci's book about this um episode is like once again we see this show using its power you know to to address social issues and i think you know particularly in Hollywood and particularly, you know, in the entertainment business, um, there are a lot of of gay people and and people adjacent to the queer community who were really being personally affected by the HIV AIDS crisis at the time. And in fact, like there are people, members of the crew that are interviewed of just saying, like, (laughs) we thought that this would be, you know, like this is gonna be a great episode, like, you know, almost like cathartic to work on, but like everyone was just brought to their knees because it was so close to home um and it's you know it's really interesting you know Estelle Getty already at the time was a huge HIV AIDS activist um and her her nephew was HIV positive and um you know I it was really important to her really important to the rest of the girls as well to like have this message and I think um you know it's just a real like this was more than any of the other sort of quote unquote very special episodes um, was really important to get across um, and it's interesting so you know mentioned the scholars that have covered this before um, one of the scholars that we interviewed early on not actually even on the podcast on, on our website so go to uh, enoughwicker.com we, we talked to Miles Martin um, he wrote a paper uh, that actually cited a 1989 public survey about HIV AIDS it was conducted by Ann Hardy and it had about like 40,000 41,000 respondents um, all of the data from that survey show that a very large percentage of American population at the time that this episode aired really un- like misunderstood the connection between HIV AIDS and feared the casual transmission of it. So, I mean, this, the, the R cup, the not using Rose's bathroom, all of that kind of stuff that Sophia is the vehicle for in this storyline was real, right? And I think to your point, we're doing sort of the same thing with, with monkeypox where there's like the headlines and the reduction of like good information about it is is making people freak out. And then therefore, if it does actually Um, predominantly affect a minority minority population or a special population, then people are going to develop misconceptions about that. I mean, we saw the same thing with, you know, with COVID and and Asian populations. Like it's, it's just, there's, there's just like a a terrible base level fear of what it does to humanity um, with these types of situations. And I mean, you referenced Reagan before. I mean, at the time, this was a completely fucked public health uh, issue.
0: Yeah, I actually want to um I want to go through a couple just like timeline bullets of of Reagan um in because yeah, I you know we we dunk on him a lot <laughs> and uh he was really, really well, I mean, correct guy. So. But like, but yeah, but I I do think sometimes like probably not audience members or, or people who are listening to our podcast, but like I feel like there is this this obviously like this um sense that Reagan was just like a good old guy who like, didn't know, like, you know, didn't mess with the gays. So he didn't really know about it, but like he did know about it just to be clear. Um, so this is, uh, I'm pulling from an article speaking um, of
1: fucking show business and being adjacent to the queer community. Exactly. You've worked with,
0: you've, I'm sure you've had offers to be a fruit, sir. Um, (laughs) so, okay. So this is a, a, a timeline from, um, it's on Vox and it's by, uh, a person named German Lopez. Um, And it's basically just like a summary of the timeline. And so in um, 1982, there was a journalist, uh, Lester Kinsolving, who asked, um, Larry Speaks, who is um, Reagan's press secretary about HIV AIDS. And this was 82. So a thousand people had died at this point. And the press secretary just totally like pretty much laughs it off. It's, awful um and he's basically like no I don't know anything about it and then there's another exchange from 1984 when at this point more than 4,200 people had died um and 300,000 people had been exposed to it um and again like it's just not or like they thought 300,000 people had been exposed because they didn't really they still didn't really know because there was no well, funding know, for
1: and it. They, and, and obviously, I was going to say, obviously, you need the actual funding and like like strength behind it to track that shit.
0: Right. And Reagan an estimate, um, famously. Sure. Right. Yeah. Famously, Reagan did not mention AIDS publicly until September of 1985 um, which was so much later and so many people had died. And like, like you were saying, like, it's an estimated by the time he talked about it, 47,000 people had been infected with HIV. So it wasn't small. And, um, I think like that, um, that was so frustrating. And like you were saying about the writers and people in queer communities and like, this wasn't a thing where like you knew someone who had it, like people had their entire circle of friends die. Um, and I, I just like the lack of response is because it was gay people. Like there's no getting around it. There's no like, Oh, maybe it was like such a niche thing or we didn't have anything. No, it was because they were gay. And like this idea that you can sort of police sexuality and like sexual behavior of, um, sort of like a quote unquote deviant group. Um, and, and like, I think that comes into the episode when Blanche is like, it's not God punishing people for their sins, which like, yes, obviously exactly. is a self-identified atheist. It doesn't super land with me, but I think like for the time, that's what needed to be said. And Reagan should have been saying, that, to be honest, it should have been somebody not on a sitcom. Um, but I'm happy it was somebody <laughs> at all.
1: <laughs> wow. That's a, uh, that's a perfect way to sum that up. Yeah. Should be someone <laughs> not on a sitcom. Jesus Christ. oi um yeah i think <laughs> it's really it's really horrible to think about when you said that this is people's entire groups of of you know circle of friends and things my my mom has a comment of when she went to a funeral in the 80s um for someone who had died of hiv and um she saw these like everyone was sobbing except these like this this one gay couple that she knew and they were just like stoic and and like basically like dead inside and she was chatting with them you know about like basically like about it and they were like you have no idea how many of these funerals we've gone to like it just like they they just didn't have anything in them anymore to like feel and it's just like it's so horrific to to think about um yeah. So anyway, this 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 episode is really, really important. And to your point, of like it shouldn't be fucking sitcom characters delivering these messages, but it was really important to show and to think about how this is on network television, to think about how this is doing the work more than the actual head of the goddamn country. Um is pretty astounding. So
0: yeah, you know, I feel like uh HIV and and sort of like public opinion about it um really shifted with ryan white um which of course because it had to be like a cute kid um a cute white kid um and
1: yep exactly
0: like that is a similar sort of deal about why it had to be rose i think that often um that's like what we talk about it's like why it had to be rose and like how um white specifically couldn't be blanche and and all that but i think when we think about it from the character of rose's perspective it's like Kate Brown talks about this in her book that like her trust of institutions is shattered a bunch of times. Like when Charlie's pension gets cut off um, and like this, you know, like she trusts systems and institutions and like the hospital giving her um, blood with, with HIV, like that mentally, like besides coping with this possibility, like the betrayal that she's dealing with is just so mm-hmm. heavy and I think like that's another it, it's like sort of a subplot under the Rose character which is really interesting and like a- again like it's just like such a complex portrayal of this experience and like the agony of waiting three days and all of these things like these pieces were oh, wow. obviously written by people who either experienced it or like knew somebody who experienced it. So I think you can really sort, that really comes through, I think like the, the relation. Yeah. And,
1: and, and the reason is they actually, the writers went to um, UCLA, they check with experts and that actually there, it's interesting that you mentioned the sort of emotional turmoil of like, whether or not you get the, you know, like the answer that you want, which is that you're negative um, of how, like rough it is like he they actually write in the episode they make like a point of being like some people need counseling even with a negative result and they got that from the experts at UCLA they had seen people go through this right like this is this is a huge ordeal to experience and you experience you know betrayal and fear and like all you know all the stages of grief mixed up in in this so um that line was great and that that came from experts themselves um as opposed to like two episodes back where we had a misconception about microwaves yeah. and pacemakers. So it's like, gosh, shit, we probably should ask people about it. But no, we I really mean, learned I their lesson. Really <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, but I think it's, you know, it's it's really important uh to have all those pieces in there. Again, like like the the Sophia vehicle, like the, you know, I, I love when you mentioned having to wait 72 hours and having it be a surprise, like, oh, I thought you knew, right? Like just the, how discombobulated the American medical system uh, you know, healthcare system can be at times, right? Where it's like, they she had no idea she wasn't going to get an instant answer. And that just, Rose's reaction is perfect. Like perfect patient advocacy of like, this is total bullshit. First, you tell me like you could fuck up my life. And that, you know, like, I, I mean, she is so angry in this episode yeah. that is incredible to watch that, not only like just the acting of Betty White, but just the character of Rose, right? Like this, the way she is in this episode is unlike any other Rose episode. It's like she has Rose has little moments of like being irate, you know, and like where she finally loses it. It's like, ah, shut the hell up, you know. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but like nothing like this, nothing approaching the the mixture of emotions um, and how hysterical she is I mean that's a it's it's often used as uh you know describing a a hysterical woman like a negative yeah pejorative exactly um a pejorative uh, term but I love that Dorothy describes her as hysterical because like that's that's what she is she's just so wound up and just like freaking out for lack of a better term um and it's it's incredible to watch because that's exactly how you would be
0: yeah, yeah, she's like sort of spinning out. Um, and it, it like I guess like that's sort of what I was talking about before of like how the show is so good at like breaking up the really, really heavy moments. Like when Sophia slaps Dorothy, it's like kind of shocking. Oh my god, it's, like enough. a little like
1: <laughs> you almost got it now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny and it's like it does sort of allow for a minute of like, whew, because I think that like, yeah, Rose is like it's palpable on a sitcom to watch but I think if you've ever experienced that yourself or like witnessed somebody sort of like yeah a little bit manic in that way like it's there's a feeling of like it's you know it's pretty magenta it's like scary and it's also like frustrating and it's also like sad like there's a lot of emotions as as a a person witnessing that behavior too Um, and so I think you try to sort of intervention like you know stage an intervention essentially with that them but it's hard and it's like yeah. the it's, it's a tough one
1: i mean it's oh god i'm just more on the emotions of it and magenta that's such a perfect way i just love it i love that <laughs> rose is basically like i'm sick of people like telling me you know to that like uh, i like to be okay like i she goes i don't feel like taking it easy you know like she yeah is i i love that and i actually love how blanche reacts to that where she's like i'm sorry right like she 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 knows that people are we, humans are really bad americans are really bad at like dealing with this because our instinct is to say it's going to be okay in fact in the very beginning when she gets the letter from the hospital they're like it's going to be okay it's going to be fine it's going to be fixed it's going to be fine like they say that at the hospital right and the thing is it might not be right (laughs) and in fact when you're in like the limbo the schrodinger's cat situation of like the three days the 72 hours of waiting like it, it it could go either way and you have to actually prepare yourself for it not to be okay. And I just, I love that Rose of all people bright side, everything's going to be fine. Like America and the world won't betray me. We'll find a way. Rose Nyland is the one saying like, I don't feel like taking it easy. Like don't tell me like not to feel fucking pissed off and horrible. And that's kind of amazing. That's like a, a magenta ish moment for this show. Anyway, it's like, I I certainly didn't grow up like it with a lot of messages of people being like, it's okay to not be okay, you know, (laughs) like, it's and, and not like not even for my immediate family or anything I just mean in our larger culture I just mean like there's, there's not a lot of space for people being uncomfortable because other people get uncomfortable when they see other people. Being uncomfortable. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. it's a, it's a vicious it's like cycle. Not, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. Like Blanche, the same way, where she's she's trying to quell it. She's trying to sort of suppress it. But like, it, it's funny because like as a parent, there's so many messages of like raising kids to have healthy emotions to just basically being like all right, my kid just like stubbed her toe or she like, you know, dropped her ice cream or whatever is going to be sad to a two-year-old. And you're like, it's okay. And you're like, well, it's actually not. Like, let her feel sad about it. (laughs) Like, it's okay, you know? And it's like, we don't think about drawing the connection between- being sad you dropped your ice cream cone and being, it's being okay to be sad and like being really fucking uh, manic and, and upset that you possibly could accidentally have gotten HIV from a hospital transfusion and not being okay with it. I mean, like, it doesn't seem like they're related, but it's like sitting in discomfort is like one thing that like all good therapists will tell you to do. Yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. Like, it's just really interesting. I love that part where Rose is just like, don't, tell me that I have to be fine (laughs) because yeah it's not okay
0: no I agree and I think like I think there's a real um association with sad as like a bad emotion to have or like or like sort of anything under the sad or like feeling bad umbrella like it's bad to express it's bad to feel so like the best thing you can do is try to make yourself not feel it which like it's understandable because like, sure, if your friend's down, you might like get them a cookie or something to try and cheer them up. But you know, (laughs) like it's the understanding that like, don't drop it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like the understanding (laughs) that like that could help for a second or like, it could just be a nice gesture, but like, it's not gonna, it's also still okay to be sad. And like, it's still okay to have all these feelings. And yeah, like, the the pushing trying to push rose to the other side i think is like and i don't think it comes from a bad place i think they all just it's all they know how to do because it's all like anybody really knows how to do you know at this point um and i want to talk about the letter the scene with the letter because like i think it's really good and like there's the the bit about the wetlands which i think is funny because like it is hard to advocate to save something that's like swampy
1: (laughs) gross that's so gross exactly exactly um, oh, no, nice knock to new jersey there that fulfills <laughs> my um my feelings about other people in other states about new jersey is that the only shitty parts of, of new jersey are right around new york and right around philly so draw your own conclusions
0: yeah and also like you drive through it if you can't go by um, yeah, I mean, the maintain. That's
1: um i maintain that's what i'm saying yeah
0: that's the, that's um, the thoroughfare
1: from these two other states just shitting on our home state yeah <laughs>
0: anyway florida is really the one who should be getting all the slack. <laughs> if you're going to make somebody, yeah, make fun it. of somebody, make fun <laughs> of Florida. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> Insert Florida face like Rose. What the hell?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but anyway, Florida, um, right. the letter, so I want to talk about the letter. So it, it really, I yeah. think, sets up to be something big. And they're all so good in this scene. Like, I think Betty... But anyway, it really portrays like sort of um, in juxtaposition to Blanche from a couple episodes back where she had to get the pacemaker. Rose is very panicked and very open about the fact that she's really scared and like yeah. she's not quite That's mad true. yet, I don't think, but like she's she's afraid. Um, and she has <laughs> great line when like, she's like, they throw organs out after surgery. Um, oh my God, I love that.
1: <laughs> Can I see it? <laughs> really <it's> funny. <laughs>
0: But then, like, Dorothy kind of takes the letter in sort of, like, a, a motherly way and is, like, yes. translating it, I feel, like, with a more of a logical read. Um, yeah. But I think they're all really good. And Blanche is, like, trying to remain calm and sort of distract Rose from, from it, but also, like, they're all very clearly concerned. Um, and it's a, it's a really yeah, good bit exactly. of sort of subtle acting.
1: You're right. You're right. And I, I do like how when Dorothy translates, like, this is just a precaution, right? Like, I I think that that's, um, to your point of, like, translating it in a logical way, that's, like, a really, that's a just a very, you know, pithy way of summing up what the letter is, you know, what it's about. And that's actually, that was very common at this point of just making sure that, again, to your earlier point of, like, no public health funding, like, how do we track this thing? How many people are exposed? Like, we have to do due diligence, you know, to keep it under control. So, um, it's a very real scenario, and I do like how she sums it up. Yeah. Incidentally, and- in that scene, I just want to talk about the very beginning. The they they really delay the like popping, like flashing to the interior scene. Like almost all of the credits are like over the exterior of the house. I'm like, was the action too boring? Like usually they're walking around, you know, pouring a cup of coffee or something. It's just like, reading. It feels like they had to cut something. It's just really funny. I was like, uh, is the episode going to start? <laughs>
0: just an external shot for
1: 20 minutes um you really liked it
0: yeah I mean it is it it's also just like thinking about the concept of like having a surgery and then like medical malpractice you know but like in this way especially and speaking of how bad uh we are with reactions like the response is now that gay men still in 2022 um cannot donate blood which is yep oh yeah so bad response it was just like okay well we're just gonna bar this entire group of people from donating blood which is just so silly and stupid right. um i i like the memory joke when sophia's like talking about how she's losing her memory and then she's like i add a cup of <laughs> it comes back to her and she's like oh my god a cup a of a bleach. Cup of bleach. Um, but I feel like it falls a little flat. The audience doesn't respond to it as, as strongly as I waiting for
1: more. Yeah. Waiting for more. And there is no more. (laughs) And it's right before a scene cutaway. So it like fades out and like, they don't start the music. I think the editing is poor because I don't think they start the outro music or the transition music, um, soon enough. I think right. that's what it is. I think, I think the misalignment of the joke is that we're also listening and paying attention to the audience, who to your point is like, doesn't laugh as hard as maybe they should or that the writers wanted them to, because I think they're waiting for more of a follow-up or maybe like a response from Dorothy or something. And then the, the gap between like the audience laughter and like moving on, is is too long. That's that's yeah. my read on it. Cause I also felt the awkwardness of that scene, which I think is interesting. But it's funny because remember, we were talking about the memory loss episode in Clinton Avenue Memoirs, and I was like, wow, that's sort of wrapped up really neatly. And we're like, <laughs> okay, so just uh I just saw this heart in the wrong place. Okay, bam, memory problem fixed. It's definitely not gonna get worse in my 80s. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is actually kind of funny because you're just like, Yep, see, not fixed. Told <laughs> I told you. Oh Lord um can we go back to the wetlands for a minute oh sure because it's like (laughs) such a like insignificant like bee storyline because like why would you even need a bee storyline here it's just very silly that it's like even there um i do love (laughs) that is there an open bar (laughs) no that's a great you know that's what i want to know right you know you are supporting these mosquitoes but um the uh blanche says (laughs) she's talking you know when she's talking about like getting help from either blanche or rose you know with the uh, the wetlands she goes i'm absolutely snowed under with this wetlands thing which is hysterical <laughs> to me because first of all who the fuck says snowed under and second of all it's because they couldn't say swamped with right. this wetlands thing because they'd have to make a pun joke <laughs> like they didn't want to <laughs> yeah that's what you would say that's what a normal person would say I'm swamped at this wetlands thing and they'd have to like acknowledge it somehow I think in the dialogue that's my theory anyway where you're just like okay well we can't say that so let's say snowed under (laughs) they only had one
0: thesaurus in the writer's rooms they were like all right let's just let's just find something else
1: (laughs) I know oh my god hilarious (laughs) but um but yeah anyway it's just it's really funny that it's just like they are yeah (laughs) <laughs> they just blow right stuff. And it, and that's all
0: that whole storyline of like trying to save something that's like not cute is really hard and like I feel like you um yeah. you know like we've worked in nonprofits, and like the, the sort of I feel like the running um thing is like it's really easy to fundraise for like cute animals or like sometimes yeah. babies but when you're fundraising even like honestly like uh organizations that serve senior citizens it's really hard because you have to get like the visuals aren't as appealing. You obviously always get like older people, like having fun and playing chess or like, you know, like ladies walking or whatever, but like, it's still like the visual of it is hard. And so when Dorothy's like, can't come up with a funny tagline or whatever, like it's very relatable.
1: Absolutely. I I agree. And I, I had the same thought of like nonprofits where, uh, I think I might've told the story before, but like I was uh, at a nonprofit like conference event, where you have different tables set up, and my uh, my cause was uh, jobs for people with disabilities, and I just happened to be placed next to a wolf sanctuary <laughs> like nonprofit, oh which had live wolves like there and like you know like little cute like baby wolves and I was like well that no one's coming to my table yeah (laughs) we got crowded out like everybody looking at the wolves and stuff so congratulations to the wolf sanctuary for making so much money that day but um (laughs) anyway (laughs) I, I feel I feel your pain Dorothy um but it, it is funny because like they just they just give a little like there's barely any lip service to it because it's just as like a vague setup for something else happening in the household and then it's very quickly like yeah whatever whatever <laughs>
0: like, yeah yeah it doesn't it's not like a, a huge deal but it's funny something. and i think they do a good job with like tying it in at the end when when because rose like yeah like, I think what when we get to the scene on the lanai, like, it's a really, really great reflection when Rose is like, it's been a bad week. Um, and she just wants for, like, a second to talk about, think about something else. And, um, you know, without this going on, Dorothy knows that Blanche is way too selfish to care about these. And, like, she, of course, tells the definitive losing of virginity story, but, like, Rose is the one who would help just because it was a charitable cause. Um, yeah. But... You know she's obviously preoccupied so I, I think that it's it it's used well and it's not too heavily featured which i think was smart
1: yeah exactly well i think i mean let's let's talk about let's talk about the scene with blanche and the scene with Dorothy. i think it's wonderful especially since they have the tie-in at the end that we talked about before where you know the doctors like some people need counseling but and he goes evidently you had all the emotional support you needed um which i think is a great line and i think it's it's a good testament to the way that the episode is written because you do have an emotional scene with blanche um which obviously is more corrective than like emotional necessarily um although they they come around to it at the end and then you have that sort of catharsis with dorothy where it's exactly what you would want from a friend that it was a distraction they're laughing right you know like dorothy gets to be sort of made fun of a bit in you know of, of, of in the um in the banter and then you have that bit of honesty at the end of like it's it's been a bad week um it's just such an amazing scene and i think it's it's great that i just like that rose has a bit with both of them i think yeah that's really important for like the the friendship of the group in this episode
0: yeah i um I think so too. And, and at the, the scene at the end is just so, it's so nice. Like they, it, it feels like teenagers at a sleepover a little bit, you know, it's like very, like they're laughing about like high like how they were in high school. Um, and Dorothy, like I think Dorothy really picks up on where Rose is going, you know, like where, where Rose wants to be. Um, and it, it I, yeah, I, I think the scene with Blanche uh, which I think is probably, the most, uh, sort of widely referenced, um, is so powerful because like, it makes sense that Blanche would have been tested too. Like, I, I feel like, um, it's good that they address that because like, she is so sexually active and like, also it, you know, you should be testing for STDs regularly if you're, if you're sexually active just as a precaution. Um, and so I, I think that like, blanche comes in with a pretty progressive view which uh makes sense because she's pretty progressive sexually and like politically i'm not exactly sure where she falls but like it does make sense to me that like having had this experience herself because she is relatively self-centered like she empathizes but she also is here to kind of stand up for people who are hiv positive um and present the case that like they didn't do anything wrong. Like, you know, and, and I think right, like right. that is the message that we're trying to really, really push here is like, you're not a bad person if you contract this disease. And um Rose though, because she's got this like, you know, farm raised American dream, uh, white bread sort of thing. Like she thinks you only, like she thinks bad things only happen to you if you do something to bad bring people. them on.
1: I think what's really interesting is like the, the point about how it's okay if you actually got it because you were using, you know, intravenous drugs or you were like having sex with somebody and like this whole like morality situation, it's very parallel to um, uh, addiction, right? Like the the stories of addiction of like people being like, well, this is the same thing you were talking about with, um, you know, having uh, happening, like, If you have HIV/AIDS happen to a population like white people, oh, okay, like this is uh, like with Ryan White, okay, this is fine then, Um, it's okay now, like we can we can deal with it because it was it was just like an innocent person, right? It's the same deal of addiction where when we had the opioid crisis emerge, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like a decade ago it was like, oh, well, it was because, you know, they were taking these like legitimate pills prescribed by a doctor, you know? It was like, everybody said OxyContin was gonna be okay and blah, 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 as opposed to like, oh, you tried heroin, right? And you're addicted to that. And there's still a morality issue with that. We're seeing it with the abortion debate where it's like, oh, well, I mean, if it's like, you know, like rape or something but like you know if but otherwise you know then you you deserve to to keep your baby right it has nothing to do with like bodily autonomy for women i think it's like it's really interesting like we don't have to get into all of that but the um there is there is such a judgment here and i think that that's why i love that blanche one is clear she's already thought about it and come across it and two she is like really going to set the story straight with Rose to correct her misconception. And three, she's pretty offended that Rose, her best friend would actually sort of like imply this about her.
0: Right. Because it's also like the whole, you know, um, I think the opioid uh, crisis and also um, like crack cocaine is really interesting, like to compare like who's using them and what is the approach sympathy or is it like mass incarceration? Um, And I think that uh, that's a really good parallel to draw and i i oh my feel God, like we're still talking about reagan <laughs> i know can you believe it it's all it all comes back um but I, yeah like rose is like why me this isn't supposed to happen to people like me like i think the why me is okay and like uh, like i'm sure you would have that thought but i think the problem comes in when as an she's-
1: individual not as like yeah not as the the uh, the demographic
0: exactly and that's what it very is very
1: excited about what you said
0: <laughs> no 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 that's so that's that's what I mean like I feel like and Blanche is like it's it reminds me of like when is like why me and Dorothy's is like why them like you know there's no and like Rose has this idea that like it's not supposed to happen to people like her but it's the morality thing that you were talking about is like Blanche is in this category of like quote-unquote people this could or should happen to because she has sex with a lot of people, which makes her a lesser morale, like that, her morals are lesser than roses. Um, and that's Absolutely. like what the whole crux of the issue is. Um, yeah. I think it's a really powerful scene. And like, i don't know there's just so many good like they really do such a good job with the reactions because we haven't even talked about the r cups yet um but that's i know
1: well real quick can i just i just want to comment on the fact that you use the why you why them from stan's pity party a bunch of episodes back i mean that's so relevant here right and that that line we talked about it at the time being so powerful as like a great line to snap somebody out of their own sort of self-absorbed world and consider that other people are living in it. <laughs> Hello, COVID-19. Um, yeah. That, you know, I mean, like it's, <laughs> I also love how I cleared my throat for that. That was actually kind of like an unintentional vocal pun. Um, anyway. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, it's just such a, it's so powerful and it's so relevant here, right? That this is not something that like, yes, you, you, can simultaneously feel bad for your own personal situation, but also, you know, yes, and you need to put it in the context of, uh, what's, what's happening in, in the greater world, civilization, community.
0: Right. Yeah, totally. Um, actually that reminds me of, uh, there's a show on Netflix called Never Have I Ever, which is about, um, this teenage girl basically navigating high school. Uh, and it's, it's really good. Mindy Kaling wrote it. Um, the girl's Indian and she has an Indian nice. family, but anyway, there's a line in one of the recent episodes that I watched. That's like, it's amazing how women can experience suffering, but always also have to experience it like in the context of the world. So like often women are never like, Oh, you know, like, this isn't a very feminine expression of, um, of dealing with something like usually you know women have to sort of like snap back and be like oh everything is so bad but also like everything is a lot worse for other people and I just was reminded of that because like in this Rose is just focused on her until Blanche kind of snaps her back to reality um yeah yeah and I just think it's interesting like how people perceive this type of of struggle because like you know it's it's really it's hard and it's like it's even though Rose is acting so um, like, you know, that obviously like you're not on her side in that, in that argument, like it's, it's easy to feel for her and like to empathize and to sympathize with her because like you can, you can sort of feel the inability to like face the bigger world. Like she's only thinking about herself in this moment, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, because she's thinking, she's starting from a position of of moralizing, right? So it's actually harder for her to, like, sort of translate. It's not like, she she's steeped in this misconception as well <laughs> as, yeah. like, like to, to start, right? And it's really hard for um, her to think along any other lines until Blanche sort of calls her out on it. <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, and I just, you know, the... Betty White's expression of this, like angry mania, sort of hysteria, really reminds me of how um, she acts when the souffle falls uh, in um, the episode where she's addicted to pills. And so, I, I, I feel like Betty White can really can really play this sort of like unhinged emotions really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, yeah, it it just it's so it's so complex. I, I just keep coming back to like she's just dealing with so many different kinds of emotions and showing them to the audience all at once and not a like she's not like going through like some like it's just it's just very magenta (laughs) like you said you know it's really such an amazing blend i love it um all right let's talk about the r-cups all right. Um, well, first one of my
0: favorite Golden Girls posters ever is uh it's a parody of 127 hours, I think, with like a little tiny arc up between them. <laughs> it's really I good. know. It's
1: really-
0: <laughs> um, so I have to just that out. Um, but yeah, I mean the up thing is really big because like Sophia is a full generation removed from them. And I think that yeah. that is really reflected in like a couple different times with like her understanding of the world and um her perception of current events and things like that um but it it makes sense I guess that she'd be a little behind Rose um Blanche and Dorothy in terms of their sort of understanding of it um yeah and it's you know it's it's mean it's sad but it's also like you can kind of get where she's coming from. Um, but th- that's not subtle. Like Rose is gonna see those cops <laughs> are for regular. She's not gonna believe that.
1: <laughs> I know. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Um yeah, but I think, you know, <laughs> the the it's it's kind of interesting, like yeah, like the the bathroom thing. I think is, is extra. It's even more so than I feel like saliva, right. It's like, it's yeah. I'm spoken of just like, okay. Sitting on a toilet seat because like toilet seats are gross in general. right? It's like, there actually are a lot of like, you know, people can be weird about that just in general for like germs. But I think that that's kind of fascinating. In- incidentally, she talks about the, um, bathroom down at the shell station as opposed to the Texaco. So I guess since the, uh, you know, the baby episode that, uh, shell bought the Texaco station.
0: Yeah. There well, sure big are. and little you know, Chuck.
1: Texaco station. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they, they, they've created their empire. They're even closer to Blanche these days, but, um, but I do feel, I I think it's really nice. I think it's nice that, um, they actually said in, in Jim Colucci's book that, you know, Still, Getty wasn't exactly pleased that that was like how she heard the character was going to be treated just because she knew it was wrong. Right. Um, and she was obviously arguably the biggest HIV AIDS activist at the time. But um, I do like how the way her character plays it, where she actually says, I know it's that's not right. You know, like, I know yeah. that this isn't how it works, but like, I still can't separate the emotion and the fear from it until she sort of gets over herself. And then, you know, like they, they talk about. Rallying behind Rose, um, no matter what happens, which yeah. I think is a really important scene also to insert here. Um, without Rose, right? Like you can, it's kind of like the same thing we were saying before, where you could just say like to somebody's face, like it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, and then like behind their back, you're like, oh my god, what if it's not going to be okay? Where um, <laughs> you're sort of being yeah. strong for someone else. So I think it's really important to have the scene where the three of them are basically pledging that if she does, you know, contract HIV AIDS, that they're still going to stand by her, they're still going to be her roommates, etc. So anyway, it's just, it's, it's very interesting, because it's not, it's not very, like, they don't have Sophia, like, completely freak out, right? They have these few little things that um, she, you know, plays off of, but also talks about how she's being ridiculous. So.
0: Yeah, and I think like at the end of that scene, there's a Sophia is like, "Give me that," you know, like switches the cup, and yeah. it's, it's a little corny, but I think it's really right for the moment. And I agree; I it think is it's a, a it really is. Think... good scene to have them all three really? sort of like debrief, basically, about what's been going on.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's really important. It's a it's important to have that, especially since like the way that Rose starts is like by saying like, well, I better get used to being alone, you know, like kind of the the beginning (laughs) of her sort of manic moments, um, which is really interesting. So, um, so, okay. So when, I want to talk about when they go to the hospital the first time, right? (laughs) Dorothy (laughs) Spornack. The callback at the end is so great. It's like, well, sure, yeah. it's great for you, Dorothy, but what about me? Oh my God, it's perfect. But um, I thought it was interesting where the, you know, again, I think this is what they got from their research from the UCLA um, team, is like encouraging anonymity. And they, you know, Dorothy again talks about like people have trouble getting jobs and insurance, and like this is a real issue, right? um because of the public misconception about it um but i think it's really fascinating that like the hospital says they encourage anonymity like and you don't see like the behind the scenes of like we give you a special tracking number for stats but it's just kind of funny you're just like but you are keeping track of this right right <laughs> yeah like there should be some tracing going on uh that rose Nylon was the one who had the gallbladder out and that was the trans you know but anyway, it, it's just it right. was just like a funny <laughs> nitpick about like hospitals should actually keep track of it even though yes anonymous information for the public should not but <laughs> anyway yeah i i, I definitely oh, wondered about that
0: when i was a kid i feel like i was like
1: hey <laughs> You wrote the letter to Rose Nyland. Like, did you know that she showed up and listened to your letter? Like, there's somebody's got to be. Which, where's, where's the data manager?
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm worried. Um, I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the hospital seat is great. Like, the whole Druid Priest bit is great. Um, oh my God. What other course- stories? so bizarre like we I think we mentioned it when we're like what is the deal with the Shriners joke um oh my
1: god I know well the Shriners are just fucking weird so I, mean, I know
0: it, sense. <laughs> it does make sense they would do it um and also you know w-h-e-r-e makes me laugh every time so funny. <laughs> yeah I know <laughs>
1: well i do i i it's funny because one you're like okay well you clearly didn't talk about Dorothy sex ed that much because she did get knocked up quite young but um yeah. the uh... <laughs> but i do love her line where she goes maybe i used to be old-fashioned but times have changed i thought that was like hey that's actually just a, a perfect like this is how everyone should be when they get older like let's stay relevant not everything's the same as when you grew up my dears
0: yeah, if uh, your boyfriends yeah, are else? supposed anyway. to put them, you know, W-H-E-R-E. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good. It's hysterical. <sighs> but Blanche's talk with Rose is so nice. Like pulling her aside and talking about the history of being tested and like all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's a really, that's a really important thing to do. That's really, you know, like, I just, I really like that scene where she's just yeah. like talking about how, you know, I mean, and it's interesting playing that scene versus the latter scene, right? Where like, it's almost like that scene is in Rose's head about, you know, it's like corroborating her preconceived notions about who gets HIV. Um, But it's like before, before that scene preempting it, it's really responsible of Blanche to sort of like, not only like emotionally connect with her, but just talk about how like she has gone through this before. So I like yeah, I do too.
0: And it's, it's very, um, selfless Blanche really because I feel like it does force yes. her to be kind of vulnerable in a way that she doesn't like to be um and also like but again like I, it, they're so good at breaking it up because when she's like I acted like a real bitch to
1: everybody else and Rose is like no wonder we never knew I,
0: know. <laughs> it's funny.
1: I know Blanche's I like it. face the way Blanche just stands you know like <laughs> in the scene. Talk about a perfect example, right? You were talking about how awkward it is earlier when she's just like a cup of bleach and then okay, you're like the member yeah. of thing. But um, and it's like the awkward transition. That's like a perfect transition, the way she she stands, just being like, God damn it. <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, also, I thought it was interesting just going back to you know, uh Rose and Blanche's moment, you know, the the famous scene, right? right before that um people actually laugh at rose's line of like they laugh at um two lines she has about like accusing blanche like saying that she should be the one i thought that was really interesting because in my mind the entire speech from like sort of rose's setup to blanche you know saying that aids is not a bad person's disease um i feel like it i I read it totally seriously. Right. And it's like, people actually laugh a couple of times. I mean, it's pr- to break the tension for sure, but yeah. I don't really think it was necessarily intended to be very funny. <laughs> so it's yeah. like a very nervous audience laugh, which is really interesting. So, <laughs> Yeah. That very is interesting. Using a live studio audience. So. Also, can <laughs> we talk about how Rose drove to Tuscaloosa overnight? Yeah, man. I mean I, damn, yeah. that's scary. Did you leave a note where you went? Like what happens if you I don't
0: know just, Also, I feel like that's gotta be like ten hours. I don't know. Miami is so oh, far man.
1: south. Miami is very far south. Like seriously. Like well, I'm I'm looking it up right now. Let's see how long it would take to drive from Miami to Tuscaloosa. Um, let's see how, how quickly you could get there. Uh yeah, it's 12 and a half hours. So
0: you're not getting back pothole. <laughs> Oh my God! Good lord! Not in a gremlin. I mean, say
1: at least you went to like just Alabama, right? But Yeah. Egg dish over easy. Ugh, it's so easy. It's such an easy <laughs> joke. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's a softball. <laughs> I know, total softball. Oh my God! But uh, what was I going to say? Okay, so then um, I know we're we're jumping around again, but after you know when we go to the like touching moment on the Lanai, I forgot to mention that I really love um. Where, you know, Rose uh, Rose goes, I like it. She's like, oh, no, you don't. She goes, no, I don't. (laughs) It's really, really cute. Because it's like, again, Rose not being her super chipper positive self. um, It's just a nice small moment of, like, when you would be honest of, like, feeling like shit again. Like, that leads into her saying, like, it's been a bad week. And it's just, oh it's such an amazing touching moment. Like you said, a little slumber party between best friends and it's so cute. It's perfect.
0: It's really sweet. And I, I just, I do think that like reflection of like, it's been a bad week really kind of pulls Rose out, uh, you know, like officially out of like that sort of manic phase and is like, but she's still scared. Like, I do feel like it's pretty powerful that she's out there praying by herself. And like Dorothy just like stumbles upon her. Um, Cause like, all that waiting and then, you know, it's, it's really close and I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of mixed emotions. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a really, really nice scene is like my, my big takeaway. It's just a real representation yeah. of like friendship and, and like trying to be supportive without telling somebody not to feel their feelings. Like that's, you know, it's tough.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that, it's a nice moment. and pulls her out of the manic state. But again, to our earlier point, it's like she's still allowed to not be okay. <laughs> right, exactly. Like a lot of times in this show and also in sitcoms, like you have your lovely conversation with your friend and then you feel better. And yes, she feels better, but it's not solved. And I think that that's an important right. distinction, right? And that's why it's like this episode as well as being such like a great public health message is a great emotional message as well. I mean, it's like, that's like the, that's the dark horse here of like how to cope with things. And, you know, they discuss it in the doctor's office about the emotional support you receive, but it's just, uh, it, it it is like the Magenta episode for me where it really just shows how friends and humans can deal with a crisis, right? Whether it's yeah. in a healthy way or like in a non-healthy way. Um, it's just really great. It's a it's a Great. fabulous episode. You know? oh, yeah. Go read that scholarship. Oh, anyway. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> My goodness. Um, all right. Do you have any other uh anything else? Nope. for good nope. old seventy two hours? Wrap right. up. Well, join us next time. We're gonna discuss uh how to tell the difference between a renoir and a syrup <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody.